1: Hi everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by audible.com. And while you probably are aware of audible.com because of the um, thousands of titles of audiobooks that they have, you may not know all the other content that is available to you. So we're offering you a free trial if you go to audibletrial.com/business Growth and you can explore for yourself find all sorts of content out there and um, see what suits you over the years um, this podcast has continued to uh, be recognized as a great resource for small business owners sales professionals business leaders uh, you name it uh, if it's in the business sphere and that's because of the guests Uh, these are folks who have expertise in particular areas of business and they um, join me to have a conversation where they share that expertise with all of you. That way you get the information you need so you can do better things in your business. Today is no exception, Um, my guest today is Devin Miller. Helping Fortune 100 clients with their intellectual property, Devin realized that there weren't many good intellectual property legal resources for startups and small businesses. As an entrepreneur himself, he wanted to help other small business owners learn about patents, trademarks, and copyrights so they can build value into their businesses and protect their assets. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Thanks so much for joining me, Devin.
2: Oh, my pleasure. Happy to be on.
1: Glad to have you. So talk to me some about how a business goes about protecting... Uh, their brand or, you know, an invention?
2: Yeah. So maybe it's easiest. I'll give you a, this really quick overview is kind of the different areas that you can go about protecting your your startup or small business or any business. So if you look at it, if you hear people kind of refer to it, there's kind of an umbrella term that would be intellectual property. That kind of, if you want to refer to the the big, you know, the big topic or that it'd be intellectual property. And then, Underneath that, you basically have what are patents, trademarks, and copyrights, which are then what you use to protect things. So, patents are going to go towards anything that's an invention. So, if you're creating it, it has a functionality, it's an invention, it's a product, it's software, anything that, you know, does something, that's going to be under patents um trademarks are going to be more for a brand so if you think about anything that's building your brand whether it's a logo whether it's a product name or company name or a catchphrase so anything that's basically brand related is going to fall under trademarks and then copyrights are going to be more for creative work so if it's a book or a video or a picture or something that's more on the creative nature that you're creating then it's going to kind of copyright so those are kind of the three areas that you can protect or, or protect your or protect your business, depending on which one. And a lot of times, you'll have you know multiple. You'll fall under multiple of those verticals. But those are kind of the main areas that you'd use to protect your brand or protect your business.
1: Okay, that's great. Okay, so um, let's sort of break it down. So, talk to me some about why patents are so important for protecting um, an invention.
2: Yeah. So. There's a few reasons, and I, I I always joke that you know if you ask an attorney a question, the way you know if they're a good attorney or not is whether or not they tell you the answer is it depends, because that's all how almost all attorneys answer a question. But I'll give you a better answer than it depends. So, but so when I look at patents, and you can you know it's always for protection. But there's really a few different strategies that companies are going to look at for why they may want a patent or why that may be useful. And so one is obviously to protect an invention. So if you think of hey, I'm putting in a whole lot of blood, sweat, and tears and money to develop a product or to come up with something and I want to be able to protect it. I mean, meaning I don't want somebody just to take all my hard work and then knock it off or copy it and be able to say thanks for all that time and effort. Now I'm going to, you know, do it faster, cheaper, better and not have to spare the expense of all the development. That's where you, or one reason you get a patent is in order to protect that work. It becomes an actual asset or right that then you can go and enforce and stop others from knocking off or copying all of your uh, your idea and your invention uh, with that. The other one is also more on. It's an actual asset that's kind of investable. That you know, you or you can use it as an asset of the company. So if you're think of, if you're going out to an angel capital or a venture capital or an angel investor, venture capital or someone that you're trying to even, you can sometimes even use them as collateral for a loan. But you're actually a way to capture a lot of the asset of your company. Meaning, if a lot of it is kind of in your head or development R and D, and you know the end product is great but there's a lot of time and effort and research. That's one way that you can actually capture that as an asset of your company, that then you can get an valuation increase or valuation bump for what you're trying to do. So those are generally, if you're looking at why you'd want a patent and what the reason motivations are is one is either to protect and capture all the time and effort and money you go into research. And the other is to build as an asset to the company.
1: Okay. And, um, how complicated it is it to do and what sort of um, investments should someone expect to, to have to make?
2: Um, yeah, so complicated, I guess there would be complicated from two different aspects, right? One would be the customer, the person, the client that was doing the, or wanting to engage an attorney versus the attorney and, you know, complicated on that end so that, you know, can split it up. If you were to do it completely on your own, Generally, I recommend, you it's complicated enough that I, I would say, hey, if you don't have the time or ability to engage an attorney, I would probably spend the time, money, and efforts other places in the business rather than trying to do yourself because it almost gives you a false sense of security. You think you have something filed it doesn't really give you much coverage, and so it gives you kind of that false security blanket. But if you say, hey, okay, I'm not doing it on my own, but I'm going to engage an attorney, then it's usually a much more painless process, so to speak. So give me an example, kind of of what we do and other firms do it to a different degrees or in various ways is that, you know, engage an attorney say, Hey, I need a patent. Then you're going to fill out a form. We kind of walk you through here, the date details, what we need, what the information. And so you can say, Hey, what's the previous, what have others done? What are you doing? What makes you unique? And it kind of walks you through it. And then from there, the attorneys will will schedule kind of an hour call. And so then you can kind of go through the details of your invention, how it works, clarify things, getting additional details. And then from that point, the attorney takes the information you already gave them in the call and prepares a draft for it. You review it and then it can be filed. So in that sense from the complexity from, you know, someone engaging us or engaging an attorney, it's not that it's it's not too hard. And usually if you get a good attorney, they'll walk you through it in a pretty simple math or method. Cost-wise, um, you have kind of two different options when you're looking at patents. So you can do what's called a provisional patent application and a non-provisional patent application. So short answer is, provisional patent application, informal patent application doesn't. Or what it does is it acts as a placeholder for a year. You get you establish your date of invention, and then it gives you a, a, a year time frame to decide whether or not you want to invest in a full patent application or not. Um, that one's gonna. If you're to go up our fees, and they can range. Our flat fee we do flat fees of seventeen hundred, but you can it ranges anywhere from fifteen hundred up to three or four thousand, depending on if you're going to a large law firm, small law firm, Silicon Valley law firm, or where they go. Um, and then, not uh, beyond the provisional, then you go to a full patent application, and that one's gonna be our flat fee would be fifty-five hundred. And that one can range from a, you know, on the low end 5,000 on the top end, it can be 10,000. So they have a variability again, depending on the, the different firms you go to and their pricing structure. So I think that answered your question.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it did. That, that, that's great. So how does, like, let's talk about a startup for a minute. Um, hmm. You know, they have an invention, they have a great idea. How do they decide, whether to invest in a patent or a trademark? Are there like guidelines?
2: Um, it's it's gonna be business my business and the reason I say that, every business is different, right? And Where I'd really look at it is where is the value of your business? Meaning if you were building a company where you're going to be centered around a brand, so you think about Coca-Cola or Pepsi or Nike or you know, Starbucks, really what their products are there you know there's a little bit of difference but it's more much more about the brand right they don't have a like a patent or they don't have their you know they may have a little bit of their secret sauce but really you're buying into a lot of the brand you go to starbucks because you know they're going to give you a good cup of coffee but you can get coffee at a lot of different places right so right if you're saying, hey our our value as a company is, is really locked into our brand then that's where i'd put your money vice versa let's say you're a technology startup or a technology business and hey we're developing the next great iPhone or the next great, you know, Tesla car or whatever that is, you know, but something that's, you know, more related to a product and you're going to be putting in a lot of R&D and development and time to do that. And you want to protect that. Then you go to more, more towards the patent. So it kind of depends on, I would say, wherever you see your value of the company and where you're building it, that's where you want to put, put your money and time and effort to protect it. And sometimes it's both. You think of Apple as a company they certainly have a big brand and very recognizable. And they're also, uh, much, you know, having to into the technology. And so, you, you know, they all, they invest in both trademarks for the brand as well as patents for all of their products. So it's not that they're necessarily exclusive, but if you're saying, where do I start or where do I go, figure out where your value, the, the, bet, the most value for your company is and start there.
1: Got it. Okay. So it feels like, you know, some of these things can, can, you know, the investment can be pretty high. Um, so how do small businesses compete with big businesses when big businesses can afford to do all these things like Apple, you know, can afford to do these things constantly?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm a broken record in the sense I keep saying it depends and I know that, that but I mean, it, So, there's a couple or a few different ways you can compete with big companies, right? One is that, you know, sometimes being a big company certainly provides you with resources and ability to have, you know, big marketing power and brand and whatnot. But it also is a bit of a handcuff in the sense that you don't iterate as quickly. Coming up with something, you have, you know, the low level engineers, they go to their manager and then they pitch an idea. Then the managers go up to their next one and then they go up to the CEO and you have enough layers that just by the nature of the size of the company, and just because they are a big company, it can take a long time to iterate and to innovate and, and adapt to the marketplace. Whereas I think a lot of times, small and startup business, you know, startups and small businesses can iterate and adapt quicker. Meaning one way, one of their best assets is, is that they can ad- see what's what going on in the marketplace and adjust just much more quickly based on what they need to do. So I think one just general mm-hmm. sense, one way that they can do that they can keep ahead of the bigger companies is by doing, by iterating and being, you know, staying out ahead of it. I think another one is, you know, these are non, or I'll I'll get to a couple of the IP stuff, but even just in general, I think the authenticity is oftentimes better with, smaller businesses and companies. They can tell a story why you'd want to support them, why their brand matters. You know, what, are they doing it with a mission? Are they doing it with the cause? Are they a mom and pop shop that's offering something unique or cooler? You know, those type of things. It's hard to replicate that with big businesses. You don't quite get the tear jerking, you know, hey, I want to help out this, you know, donate to their cause. If it's Apple and you know that they have billions of dollars at the bank, you know, not kind of the same thing. So I think those are a couple kind of practical things. Um, as far as patents and, you know, and patents and trademarks, if you're to, or if you're to go into more of those, I think that you have to be judicious in, in what you're going after. I mean, you, you don't have a limited budget. You can't go after everything, at least not upfront, you know, you as you build and hopefully can become a bigger company, you incorporate more of that to your strategy. But then you have to say, we have a strategy. This is what we need to protect. This is our most value. Let's make that our core, our, our focus for now. And you know, there's a whole lot of other things we'd like to invest in and like to do. We can't do that now. So let's just build that into our five-year roadmap. Right now, we're going to go, this is all we can do. This is what we have the time, budget, appetite, whatever for. So let's go after those and kind of build it into there. Um, so I think those are a few kind of different ways that you can start to compete with bigger businesses. The other one that I always you know talk about is every big business has a competitor, right? So you think of Apple has Samsung, you think of, Starbucks has Dunkin' Donuts or whichever one you want to go, you know, but everybody yeah. there's very seldom a company that doesn't have any competitors. And if they don't very soon, they will. And so some of the other times, if you're a startup or a small business and you're saying, Hey, we have patents, we have trademarks, but in the reality, you know, the big businesses, they can just bleed us dry. They can outspend spend us and everything else. Sometimes you can build a better mousetrap and then you go to the competitor. So let's say, you know, take Apple versus Samsung maybe Apple ripped you, off or, you know, does something very close and you have a patent or a trademark or a brand or those type of things, they go over to Samsung and say, hey, you want a competitive advantage? Why don't you acquire us? Why don't you take a license from us or buy us, buy us out type of a thing? And that gives Samsung, the competitor to Apple, a competitive advantage. So I think that there's different strategies that can keep you ahead in the marketplace, even against what would be bigger companies.
1: Oh, I think that is, um, makes a ton of sense. And I, and I agree, I, you know, small businesses are more nimble, so they, they can iterate much faster, uh, which is great. Um, I am going to take a quick sponsor break, and then I have some more questions for you. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Uh, audible.com, we know, has thousands of audiobook titles that you can choose from, but they also have so much other content. They have audible originals, uh, podcasts, guided meditations, news. It, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, and so there's a lot of different things that you can find that you like. I can tell you personally, uh, the guided meditations are something that I find tremendously valuable, uh, all the time, but especially these days. So, uh, Go ahead and, and sign up for the free trial at audibletrial.com businessgrowth business growth and explore. Check it out for yourself. See what you can find uh, that resonates with you. Today we're speaking with Devin Miller about protecting your business assets. So what would you say are some of the biggest mistakes businesses make with patents or trademarks?
2: Yeah, so I'm going to flip it and I'll go with trademarks first because that's a quicker, or easier answer. Um, Well, I guess maybe it's a better, quicker, easier answer. Um, Trademarks, you know, the biggest or one of the biggest mistakes, and there may be a few, but one of the probably the biggest one is that a lot of times, especially as a startup or small business or as you're growing, you're starting out, you don't really think about your brand much. Meaning you start out and you say, oh, we're just going to be a local brand or, you know, we're going to start a a small you know mom and pop shop or something like that or we're just going to sell this as a side hustle and online you know it just is a, a supplemental income and then it starts to grow and it starts to become bigger and you start to get you know build a brand and and then you start to see knockoffs come along right and they'll name it the same thing or a similar name or confusing name and you know what they don't do is by the time you're already big enough then you and you're getting those knockoffs a lot of times you're already too late to get your trademark meaning Trademarks are generally, and patents are the same way, the first person to file for a, a name, you know, for a name of a product or name of a company or anything is generally the one that's, that gets it. And so if you wait too long and then other people start to like your brand and start to knock it off or start to like it, they may actually, if they file before you, they can box you out of using your own, with some exceptions, but generally they can box you out of using a lot of times your own brand and your own name that you put in a lot of time, money and effort to build. So. You know, the sense I get, you know, on the front end is it's an investment and you have to be, you know, you only have so much budget and so much things to do, but you do want to be, you know, that's the point that a lot of people jump over is they don't think about that until it's almost too late as to when people are already knocking it off or otherwise competitors. And then they're trying to go back and scramble to do it, which is significantly harder than if you do it as you build a company on the front end. So that's one on the trademark Patents are, you know, and that was kind of the same thing on the patents in the sense that, you know, it's a first to file system. So whoever files on an invention or patent first is generally is deemed to be the first inventor and the first award. So if you wait to patent things too long. Somebody else say, hey, that's a great idea. I'm going to do something similar to it. Or if it's just a competitive landscape. So you think, hey, I'm in the tech software industry, whatever. And there's a whole bunch of people all making similar products. And you wait too long to patent it, somebody else patents up before you or the same or similar idea, you can then lose the rights to what you've already put in a lot of effort on. One other thought on on patents as well is you know with patents, there's a time clock that starts taking any time you put things out on the into the public. So you think of if I put this as a out for sale or online or you know in a store or you do a, a seminar or you do pitching or you do a competition or anything that you know you're exposing it to the public. Then you basically start a one, a one year time clock ticking from the first time you put it out in the public. And so you have one year from the time your invention originally is exposed to the public within which to file a patent on. If you don't file a patent within that year, then it becomes what's public domain or anybody can use it and it's open to the public and it's no longer able to secure your rights. So that's one of the issues sometimes you'll have that people don't realize, oh yeah, I need to go back. I should probably get a patent on this, but it's a year and a half or two years or whatever down the road. And now you're trying to scramble and say, okay, what can we do here? And it makes it much more difficult if there's anything we can do there because you've missed that window.
1: Wow, God, I didn't know that, wow. And that and that it just it like I have people say to me, well, I have this idea and I would do a pitch competition, but I'm afraid of letting other people know about it until I've actually made it into a thing, you know, because they're afraid people are gonna mm. take the idea.
2: Yeah, and I mean that's almost the opposite end, right? Where now you're worried that even before you've put doubt there, and it out there, and that is a problem, right? Because. First yeah. file of file, if somebody you go out and put in a bitch competition, say, "Hey, that's a great idea. I'm going to go do that and build a company around it." and They file on a patent first. That is, a, you know, that is a, an, an issue that can you can legitimately face. But usually, what I would say is, you know, before you put out in the public, I mentioned a little bit ago on a provisional patent application, if you're saying, "Hey, we maybe mm-hmm. we don't have this fully finished. We don't have it exactly how we want for our end product." but we are going to start pitching it to whether let's say crowdfunding or we're going to go out to venture capital and angel investors or pitch competition, or we're just going to put out a website to see if we can get a newsletter. All those things. I, I would do a provisional patent application. You know, it's relatively cheap and I can get 1700 or 2000. of That dollars is still a good amount of money. And I'm not, you know, downplaying that, but versus the drawback. And if you're going to put in a lot of time and effort and try and build something around it, you're probably worth at least doing that, so you can, you know, give that one year time frame that you can decide whether or not to go for a full patent application.
1: Yeah, right. I think that that is a great point. Okay, and um, so at what point in the process should someone um, engage an attorney? You know, in the, in the patent or the trademark process.
2: Um, the sim. The short answer is as early as possible. <laughs> um, I mean, that that's gonna be your real answer. I mean, but I I get you know. So one thing that I've done and you know, different with our firm is we do, oh, it's a free strategy session. So, and because what I found is a lot of times and rightly so people don't want to go and engage an attorney because they know as soon, they feel like as soon as they walk through the door, you're going to start getting charged and it's going to be an hourly billing and it's going to be expensive even to ask a question. You ask a five minute question and the attorney bills you for an hour. And so, you know, one thing I would do is I would engage attorneys earlier in the process, even if it's just, hey, we still don't think we're building this. We don't have, you know, we're not going to be building this for another three or four months or we're not gonna get to a point where we're gonna wanna do something with it, I would still just engage the attorney earlier so that you can get a strategy, okay? This may be three or four months out, but let's at least have a strategy as to, as we build this, as we invest, we know when we hit this point, we're gonna want to re-engage them. We know the things that we're gonna need to look out for, the things to consider, all of those. And so, I, if it was me, I'd find an attorney, a good one, you know, not just a fly-by-night one, but a good one that's willing to sit down with you, do a strategy session or something like we do, that um, that offers that as a an ability to sit down, get a strategy, and then you know go from there. And so that way you have it built in. If you already pass that point and don't have that, then I would, uh, if you're saying, hey, that's great idea. I don't have an attorney. I don't have one that I can trust, or I don't want to pay for it because I can't find one that will do a, a strategy session. Then I would do it if you're on the patent side. I'd kind of if you're getting to a point on an invention that you can describe it in a level of detail that somebody in that same industry can understand it and could replicate it, you've reached the point that you want to get a patent on it. So if you're think sure. of, I'll take software as an example. Let's say you got your software product, while you haven't fully created it, haven't fully in, you know made it, you at least outlined it or you understand it in your head or you've written it out that you could explain it to someone and they say, okay, I get that. I could go and create that if I had the time, you know, time, money and resources, then that's about the time you'd wanna do a patent. Trademarks, if I'm getting to the point that I feel like, you know, you're beyond the mom and pop shop, you're actually getting people that are interested, or the brand's building momentum, or you're getting followers. You're getting people that are buying it outside of your, you know, little geographic location. That's probably the the side on the trademark. So early as possible. If not, then that's when I would do it.
1: Got it. Okay, that's really helpful. And and so that now talk to me about how someone um, looks for, you know, how they pick a good attorney, like. Wow what are the kinds of questions they should ask or how do they know if they're getting someone who's really going to be valuable
2: more expensive the better isn't that the if you pay more (laughs) you're always going to get the value right (laughs) i I think that's not generally the case and the more more often than not you're paying for the name of the law firm as opposed to the value you're getting but um you know, I always look at it, as, and it's probably more ubiquitous across any industry, not just specific to the legal one, is looking for someone that almost has the heart of a teacher. And when I say that, it's, you know, someone that's willing to sit down with you and actually explain what this is, why you need it, if you need it, why you would need it, how this would play in. And that's what I would look for. Because, you know, most attorneys, if you find them, they'll do a decent job or a good job on the actual legal work. You know, they're trained, and if, they're, if they've if made it in the industry, if they have, they're at a, a a firm or they're doing it, they have clients and that they've made it, they'll do a decent job. But really I think what distinguishes is someone that's going to not just do a good job and you, and then, you know, you have no idea what they're doing, but they're tra- or sending you an invoice, but they actually explain, this is what's going on. This is why you need to do it, or what decisions you may think or why you consider it. And if they actually sit down to take a few minutes to teach you those things or explain it, I think that's the where I would look for, for a good attorney. So, If you're going into somebody's office and they're, hey, they sit down for five minutes, say, yeah, this is what you need, and this is how much you need to pay us. And you walk out and you say, I still don't really know why I need that or what's going on. I just know that I need a patent. Probably not a good thing to do, you know, to go and spend a whole bunch of money on. But if you sit down and they take 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, they walk you through, here's what a patent is, here's what the process is, this is what you may want to think about. Hey, you may be too early, or hey, you're a little late, and let's figure out what, you know, what we can do to help you out and they sit down and actually spend that's where i think that you're going to distinguish between what maybe is an okay attorney or you know and versus a great attorney yeah
1: yeah i like that a lot i think that makes a lot of sense because i think that's one of uh, people's fears you know is that they're going to they're going to sort of turn it over and they're going to be charged a whole lot of money and not really understand what's going on in the process and then that just creates that you know, not so great feeling, uh, that nobody really wants in a, in an engagement mm-hmm. like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, and if I were taking another industry that people would get it, if, when you take in your car and you need something yeah. fixed, you know, everybody, you can always tell that the guy's like, Oh, we've got these 20 things that are broken with your car and it's going to cost you a whole bunch of money. And you, you know, just kind of feel like, well, I don't even know what I'm fixing or why I need it. But he tells me all these things are broken. I need to fix it and you're saying, or versus you go into the the auto mechanic and they say, hey, your car is broken and you really just need to fix this and this is why it's not working and this is what, you know, the part is and this is how much our labor is going to cost and this is, you know, about how long it should take. You get two different experiences and they may both do a good job in the end, but one, you know, a whole lot more what's going on and you can actually make an educated decision versus the other, you're just having to kind of trust that they'll do a good job.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a great... um... An example, because that happens all the time, and it is really about being able to make an educated decision. and And the attorney should want you to have that level of uh, knowledge and confidence, uh, you know, because otherwise, the whole relationship ends up being difficult for everybody.
2: Yeah, and I think, and to be, if I were to be fair to attorneys, you know, most attorneys they work at a firm, they have billable hours, they're trying to, you know, not you know, they got pressures in order to do it. So I think, you know, the one thing if have right. to defend attorneys, and that's not usually what I'll do, is you have to be sensitive to their time. So if they, if they say, hey, we'll do a free 30-minute strategy session, we're willing to sit down with you. Don't ask, you know, don't get or try and take two hours of their time because, you know, their time is still valuable and they're trying to make a living. So be sensitive to their time in the sense that they're trying to be, you know, give, give you good guidance, be, you know, be a good uh, attorney and be helpful, but don't you know? Don't take advantage of it because then you're become the client that nobody wants because <laughs> you make it so that they 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 don't lose money every time they ever do anything for you because you take five hours to do a one hour job, that type of thing. So there is a balance, but I think that's generally the extreme of it. But there's occasion that you'll just you know be cognizant of that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's a very good point. Um, Okay. So, well, I I have to tell you, um, Devin, that I really appreciate this information. I think this is one of those topics that makes people's heads hurt, you know, so um, I appreciate you shining some light on it and making it easier to understand. Sure. Uh, Will you tell the listeners, you know, how they can find you and anything you've got going on you think they should know?
2: Yeah. So a few ways that they can uh, connect up or reach out. So, um, one always easiest is the website, right? So if you go to MillerIPL.com, so M-I-L-L-E-R, I as in Igloo, P is in Papa, L is in Law or Intellectual Property Law, IPL.com. Um, that one has a lot of resources. You can find a lot of the information on our costs and that. You can also right there on the website, um, schedule a free strategy session. So you know, kind of mentioned if they have questions, if you don't know, if you need anything, or you just want to sit down and get a strategy together, they can schedule it right there on the website. Um, email is easy too; they're welcome to email me, and that's just at Devin D E V I N at MillerIPL.com. And then the last one, they're welcome to either call or text me. Um, I'm always pretty available and responsive, and that's at eight zero one eight two nine eight four four six. So those are usually the best ways to reach out to me or connect up. And I'm happy to answer any questions or, or help out the community.
1: That's great, thank you. And listeners, thank you. You know, Give this uh, thought and, and reach out if you've got questions because you don't wanna wait and then find out that uh, it was too late. I'd also like to thank our sponsor, audible.com. Please go to audibletrial.com businessgrowth to sign up for a free trial and then go exploring and see all of the incredible content that is available for your listening pleasure. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day.
2: Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film,
1: Powder Donut. Okay, what's my line?
2: Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive.
1: Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus,
2: the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The and ran afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Have you ever found yourself scrolling through
0: financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio but my life. Well, our goal on the podcast Inside the Street, hosted by Wall Street analysts at LeChifre Partners, is to provide
2: public investors and young professionals with a deeper understanding of the mechanics that drive those major headlines.